You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about how we met our spouses and our weddings. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's been happening with you? I feel like I've had a really busy few weeks, and it has gotten me thinking about how I am balancing full-time parenting and work. I don't work outside the home. I work on a freelance basis as a science writer, and I also do some workshops for scientists. But the issue that I'm running into is that I have a lot of work, which is great, Mm -hmm. but the time that I have during the day when Plum is napping isn't enough to get the work done. So I've been working at night a lot, which means that I'm staying up later, so I'm sleeping less, so I'm less patient when I am parenting. I think I probably am doing things less well in terms of work also because I'm not sleeping as much. I make not as great food choices when I'm hungry. I want to eat a lot of sugar for quick energy. And I don't have a great answer for it, but that's just something that I've been thinking about lately. I think that in our society, parents working from home is presented as this best of both worlds scenario Mm -hmm. where really it seems like the hardest option to me that blurring of the lines between work and home, it's not as clear as when somebody's coming home and they're home. And they can leave their work at work. That's a really hard thing to try and figure out a way to put all those pieces together. And I mean, I enjoy the work and I don't want to not do it. And I enjoy the parenting. And when I think about whether it would make sense to find half-day daycare or find more childcare, I'm not really that interested in doing that either. I mean, one of the things that has drawn me to want to stay home is that I don't want to miss this time. And I do feel like if I had the sort of coverage I needed to get my work done, that I would miss things that I don't want to be missing. But at the same time, I don't want to let these opportunities slip by for work because Mm -hmm. I get a lot of fulfillment out of having that part of my identity too. But you also don't want to be missing out on sleep. Yeah. So I haven't thought of a good solution. Listeners, if you have one, Instagram us (laughs) or comment on our website. What's been happening with you, Sarah? Today is our first day back after spring break. And spring break here was really cold and not that much fun. Mm. I didn't do a lot of fun things with our kids. We mostly stayed inside. But My mother-in-law came for the last weekend, Mm -hmm. which turned out to be such great timing because we had a lot of stuff we needed to do on our house this weekend. We are getting insulation put in through a program that the city and AmeriCorps are doing. And the turnaround on it has been really quick, which is great. But we just found out that we have a lot of stuff we need to accomplish before the actual insulation goes in. So making a trip to Lowe's and Neil's been going up into the attic on a regular basis doing various things that need to be done in there. Mm -hmm. And it was really great to have the extra set of hands this weekend so that he could spend a lot of time in the attic, but I still had help with the kids while that was going on. Yeah, definitely. And it made me think back to our episode about renting and owning Mm. because one night, I think it was Saturday night, we were chatting and I told Neil, this is why I wish we were renting sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) This is the kind of stuff that expenses that we weren't expecting and hours of our weekend and time that are taken up Mm -hmm. and not 
we're not getting a huge bang for our buck in terms of return on investment. Mm-hmm. People aren't impressed that you have insulation in your attic. That's just a normal thing. Right. <laughs> it doesn't raise the value of our home. It's great for us and we're glad to be doing it, but it's not the most exciting thing to be spending your home improvement dollars on. Mm-mm. And your time too. Yes. I mean, to me at this point, time feels more valuable. Right. So I've just been reflecting on that. And Neil was still very confident that he wanted to be owning a home and that this did not make him regret our decision to buy. So that was good to have him be steady and not catastrophizing about things that are not catastrophic. Is the end in sight? When will it be over? I'm not sure. We're waiting for an email from the city to find out exactly what date they're going to be coming. Okay. But the woman who was here basically said we should have everything done within a week. So okay. he's going to be working evenings this week and then most of next weekend, I think. But then it'll be done, which will be great. Are you ready to talk about what we've been reading? I've been reading this book called Farthing by Joe Walton. And this is another book that our friend Katie made a new cover for as part of her By the Cover project. And I wasn't really sure what I was getting into when I got it, but I was looking at all the books on her list because I like her recommendations. And this was one that was available right away at the library. So I was like, perfect, I'll read that. And um, it's sort of a thriller. So the premise is that it's 1949. But it's not 1949 in history as we know it. It's an alternate reality where Churchill was overthrown by this group of influencers and politicians called the Farthing Set. Okay. And a peace was made with Hitler. So Hitler controls all of Europe. So that's the backdrop. And then the book is told from the point of view of the daughter of the leaders of the Farthing set and an inspector from Scotland Yard. And the reason there's an inspector from Scotland Yard is because there's been a murder at Farthing, which is the sort of like family estate where this influential family was having a party. So it looks sort of like it's been a trap set for her husband. But then the inspector, there's a lot more to him Mm -hmm. than maybe you would think. And so just really interesting how it unfolds and I haven't finished it yet so I still don't know what happened so is it scary suspenseful when you say thriller or is it just there was a murder that happened and you're and maybe thriller isn't the right word okay it's more like a mystery and they're solving the mystery it's not a thriller like oh my gosh someone is about to jump out because the premise of the book sounds really interesting to me Mm -hmm. and that I would like it but I don't love thrillers. It's more of a mystery. Okay. And I'm reading that kind of book right now. I'm not going to talk about it yet because I'm going to finish it first because I'm not Mm. very far into Mm -hmm. it, but I'm reading a book that's outside of my comfort zone and is crime fiction. So maybe I'm just going to get more into it and I'll read Farthing 2 and read all of these murder mystery type books. We'll see. Yeah. It's a little bit dystopian in a way. Mm -hmm. I seem to be being drawn to read dystopian books these days. Yeah. I can't imagine why. So what I am going to talk about that I'm reading right now are two books. I'm going to sneak into this episode because they were both recommended on the Lexicon Valley podcast, and it was the episode called Why We Stopped Teaching Children to Read. Hmm. And it's the only Lexicon Valley episode I've listened to. A friend recommended it to me. So it's a linguist podcast, and it's hosted by John McWhorter, and 
he wrote a book called Talking Back, Talking Black. And that one was very short. I think it was only 160 pages. And he was writing as a linguist at Columbia University for a lay audience Mm -hmm. and trying to explain something that is well accepted among linguists to the general populace. Okay, And that's the idea that what he refers to as Black English, also in academic circles, sometimes referred to as African-American vernacular English, Mm -hmm. and why that is a dialect and should be given the respect of a dialect in our culture at large, Hmm. as opposed to being viewed as bad English, Hmm. which is often how it is viewed in our country. Right. And that's a concept that I had encountered before when I was in graduate school. I took a linguistics class Mm -hmm. and this idea was mentioned and I had never heard of Black English being referred to as a dialect before like looked at from that academic perspective. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I had considered it bad English from what I had learned growing up. It wasn't something that people talked about. And the way that he presents it is the same way in Switzerland, there's Swiss German, that's the Mm -hmm. dialect, but it's very different from High German, which is what's taught in schools and what's spoken on the news and what you use in business. Mm -hmm. That there are these two, like the more casual language that you use with friends and family, and then High German that you use in different settings. Yeah. And that black English is the same thing that people code switch between the two mm-hmm. and that standard English is what's used in our schools. It's something that I had not been introduced to until much later in my life and to me it seemed very obvious once I had encountered the concept but mm-hmm. just wasn't something I knew about before or had spent a lot of time thinking about. Mm-hmm. What did you grow up thinking about black English? Probably the same as you. I probably thought that it was, you know, less refined English rather than acknowledging it as something separate. And that it's very systematic, mm. that it's not bad grammar, that there it has its own grammar and it's Yeah, it's not breaking system. down English that's broken down. Right. It's its own thing yes. that's intact and whole. Yes. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah. So I highly recommend the book. Um, it was very easy to read and I just think it's something we're not talking about as much as we should. Mm-hmm. The second one that he mentioned was the subject of the episode, and he interviewed Mark Seidenberg, who wrote the book Language at the Speed of Sight. And I would say this is the most academic book I've read in a while. There were sections of it that were a bit of a slog for me to get through, mm. but the information was really interesting. He goes over the history of the written word and how, as humans, we came to start writing and using written language, and then also what science tells us about how we read. Mm -hmm. And the last section was the most interesting. I pushed my way through the rest of the book to get to this final section Mm -hmm. where it talked about how we teach reading in schools. Interesting. And the debate between using phonics and whole language. Oh, yeah. And how what the science tells us is very different than the way that reading is being taught. Mm -hmm. And this is of particular interest to me with a child on the verge of entering that system where he will be being taught to read. Right. And it was just really fascinating talking about how all these things that are a consensus among scientists, there's a whole different ethos and idea about what's true within colleges of education. Hmm. And so what teachers are being taught, the science isn't being included to the degree which he thinks that it needs to be. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was really interesting. Hmm. So I highly recommend that book as well. 
But if the topic is just interesting to you, the podcast is also fascinating. And he explores a lot of the ideas that I found most interesting. He explored in the podcast. So I had put language at the speed of sight on my list for the library. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll take it off and just listen to the podcast (laughs) because I'm not sure I'm ready for a nonfiction slog these days. Let's move on to our topic for the day. We are going to talk about how we met our spouses, how we got engaged, planning our weddings, and our actual weddings. Let's start by talking about how we met our spouses. I met Andrew, so it was my freshman year of college, and he came to my room because he wanted to talk to me about dating my friend Sarah, (laughs) which is you, obviously. And I was like, yeah, man. I think that if you just keep making her mix CDs, it's going to (laughs) work. I had forgotten that he went to you. He did. To ask for tips. Because I knew you so well since we'd met like two weeks earlier. (laughs) Obviously. So then you guys dated for a while and then broke up. We were all friends through living in the same dorm in Mm -hmm. a very small college community. And then also there was Frisbee. So Andrew was playing Frisbee. You were playing Frisbee. I joined Frisbee the next year. Um, And we were so he and I were just really friends for a long time. And we dated other people. And then we ended up living in the same on-campus house my sophomore year. So his junior year. We were playing Frisbee together at that point. And so we were traveling a lot and hanging out a lot. And I just really enjoyed him and I felt like he was a really good friend. But I was having like drama with um, a former love from home and other associated drama at school. So I was not thinking that I was going to end up with him. But turns out he was thinking that I might be nice to date. And so Christmas break of my sophomore year, he called and we talked on the phone a couple times, which was pretty neat. And then we um, eventually got together that January. And the story of how that happened is that we went to this party at this house that was just off campus at Hendrix and the floor collapsed. He got super protective and he was like, we got to go. We got to go. And I was like, cool, man, we'll go. And then we <laughs> went back to the house that we lived in and we started dating. And that's the history. And I also met my spouse at Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Andrew's a year older than you, mm-hmm. but Neil is a year younger than me. Yep. So I met him my sophomore year of college. And I honestly do not remember the first time that I met Neil. He came out to Ultimate from the beginning of his freshman year. Mm-hmm. But the first time I remember him is from the first tournament that we went to. Mm. So I have no strong recollection of our first encounter. At the time, I was not a huge fan of Ultimate Relationships, as I felt like (laughs) Hendrix is already a small community, and Uh the Ultimate team is an even smaller community. Yes, it is. And to me, that just looked like impending disaster if everybody started dating each other on the Ultimate team. And everyone was dating each other on the Ultimate team. Yes. So I was not looking for somebody on the Ultimate team, and he did not register with me in that way. But as the year went on, I got to know him and I really respected him as an individual, just had him in my mind. But then I left to go abroad for my junior year. Mm -hmm. Then when I came back my senior year, Neil and I spent a lot of time together with a mutual friend that we were going to watch some ultimate in Little Rock, that there was a sectional or regional tournament happening. Mm -hmm. And so 
we were spending a lot more time together. And I decided that I was interested in dating him. And I think you were one of the only people who knew that at the time, because mm-hmm. we used to throw the disc together. All of this revolves around Ultimate, doesn't it? Yeah, we had very few classes. Like we were doing almost nothing our senior year. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just would throw the disc every morning or Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning or something like that. Yeah. And I remember we talked a lot about Neil and how it might look for you to be dating him. And I remember not chatting with a lot of people about it because Hendrix is a very small place. Oh, yeah. And I was really uninterested in Neil finding out I was interested in him from somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, fair. So I got to the point where I literally made a pro-con list of Mm. whether I should date him or not. I think I remember that. I still have it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I decided in the end that I really just wanted to know because either then we could date and we'd be together or he would say no and I could move on. Mm -hmm. And knowing Neil, I knew that he would not make it awkward if he had said no, that it wouldn't have been a weird. It would have been weird just in the sense that those kind of things are always a little bit weird. Right. But he would have done a great job making it as unawkward as possible. Mm -hmm. And that was another benefit to not that many people knowing. So at the end of October, I decided to ask him out and he told me that he wanted to think about it. I remember. I remember when you were like, he wants to think about it. WTF. So he made me wait. I think it was for three days to tell at me. At least. I think it was at least three. It was a long didn't time. didn't you ask him out on like a Tuesday and he told you on a Friday or something? I can't remember exactly. I just knew it was a while and I was seeing him constantly because our campus is tiny. And Frisbee. Yes. We were together all the time. But then he decided that he did want to date me, and we've been together ever since. So that was about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you're the one that got engaged first. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about how that happened? Yeah. So Andrew and I had a year apart because, as you said, he was the year ahead of me. So he graduated, and he moved home to Nashville and worked in a lab at Vanderbilt as a research assistant for a year. That year was really tough on our relationship. So we had a nice solid base about a year and a half of dating before he did that. But we had a really hard time that year where I felt like I wasn't being prioritized a lot. It was hard for us to see each other because I was really busy with Frisbee and Mm -hmm. he was working full time. And then I felt that when we did see each other, it was Frisbee related. So it wasn't quality time. It was like just that we were playing Frisbee and hanging out with our friends. But it was coming up on my graduation and we had decided mutually that we were going to go to Vanderbilt for grad school. So there was light at the end of the tunnel and that felt really good. He had planned to come for graduation and that whole time around graduation was just really fun. Like a lot of friends came back in town to hang out. We did stuff that we didn't normally do, like go to Little Rock to go dancing and there's a lot of events that week leading up to it. Absolutely. Like specific parties that happen every year and yeah. different traditions. So he was there for most of that. And we had planned to go on a hike. And I was completely not expecting anything. So much so that like the night before when we were out in Little Rock dancing at this sort of like tacky country and Western bar, mm-hmm. I was like, listen, if you ever propose to me in a place like this, I will say no. <laughs> I mean, I was teasing him. But then he turned to another one of our friends. And I think I went and danced at that point. But but he turned to another one of our friends and was like, I have the ring. And she was like, what? You have it here? He was like, no, no, I just have it in general. (laughs) 
so the next day we were going on a hike and I really just thought that we were going on a hike to spend some time together and we're walking in this nature area I think it's called Bell Slough mm-hmm. I was like you know Andrew we're gonna be okay if we can just keep taking walks like this like we're gonna be fine in our relationship we were having really good conversation he was like do you mean that I was like yeah totally he was like really I was like yeah I do And he was like, really, really? I was like, yes, what else do you want from me? And then he pulled out the ring. He was like, well, will you spend the rest of your life with me then? And I was like, yes, of course. It was a really beautiful ring. He had it designed from like photos that I had that I loved. And so then he had it made based on those. And the way that that happened was crazy. I mean, this was before Pinterest. So it wasn't like I had something pinned and he could go on and look at it. Mm-hmm. How it worked was that my suite mate snuck in to my computer of where these photos were saved and emailed them to him. And the ring is totally beautiful. And it was even better than I could have imagined that it could have been. And the timing of the engagement was really fun too. Cause like I said, we were all there together. Yeah. It was really fun to celebrate together. His parents came for my graduation. My parents were there. My sister was there. One of my aunts was there. It was, I mean, just such a fun thing to celebrate. And being someone who loves attention, how awesome was it that I got engaged (laughs) on graduation? I remember you coming into the house where I was living and screaming up the stairwell, I'm engaged, (laughs) just yelling the whole way coming up to tell us. Oh, man. Yeah, it was really perfect and fun. Yep. And we were taking a big trip later that summer. So I thought that our engagement might have happened then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he got wind that I was thinking that. And so he really wanted to surprise me. So he did it in advance. Yeah. I mean, I was very surprised. My other memory of that night is going to a, a party with everybody that night and you just mm-hmm. showing everyone your ring. <laughs> I mean, there are pictures of me like being pretty obnoxious. Like we're standing in a nice group and then all of a sudden I like stick my hand across everyone <laughs> showing the ring. I was really excited. So I got engaged about a year and a half after you did. So Neil was a year behind me in school. Mm-hmm. So we had that year where we were apart right after we graduated. Mm-hmm. So when you got engaged is when we were starting our year. Mm-hmm. For most of that year, I was in Little Rock, which isn't that far away. So we got to see each other a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we applied to grad schools together and made the choice to both go to Oregon State University. And we had had a discussion before that because we were moving in together that we weren't engaged, but there was an assumption that we were on that track mm-hmm. because I really wasn't wanting to move in if we were still unsure about that. Mm-hmm. There were discussions prior to us moving to Oregon that we would be getting engaged and not we better be getting engaged, but just, <laughs> look, we're about to move in together. We're making these big life choices together. Let's Where's be on the going? same page kind of thing. Yeah. Do we both see this headed toward marriage or do we not? Because mm-hmm. at that point, we were making a lot of choices with our relationship in mind. Mm-hmm. So at the end of our first term, I was expecting that we would get engaged sometime after finals were over, before we went home. Mm -hmm. So I was on the lookout for it. (laughs) And I think a couple days he took me to this park but didn't propose. At least one day that happened. (laughs) He was tricking you. Yeah, I think that he, he knew that I was expecting something. And so I think at least once that happened. But then we went to this park together that we both just really love. There's a stand of really huge trees that form a circle. And we'd found it right after we moved there and often went there together and went on walks. And so he was standing in that circle of trees and got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. 
It was very simple, but in a place that was really meaningful to us. I guess the thing that is the most unique about our engagement is the ring, which is made out of electrical wire, which for people who know us, it's very fitting. That aspect of the story is not surprising. No, it's consistent with you guys and your relationship and your values in your life. And it's fairly consistent with our wedding planning and wedding. Mm -hmm. Why don't we go ahead and move into that? So Andrew and I were planning to be engaged for a while. We were not in a hurry to get married. We, um, We're heading into grad school. We weren't sure what that was going to be like. We weren't living together yet, but we were just thrilled that we were going to be back in the same place. So we weren't, there was no hurry. The first year of grad school was pretty hard for me. And sometime in there, we decided that we wanted to get married. And I think we wanted to go ahead and do it sooner rather than later. So we planned to get married the beginning of our second year of grad school that August. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a good length of time. So we're engaged from May to the following August. So a little bit over a year. And I think the timing of getting married made sense. It was nice for me, honestly, to have something to look forward to that first year of graduate school and to have something else that was going on besides the drudgery And we ended up being really young when we got married. So I was 23 and Andrew was 24. Mm -hmm. Neil and I were the opposite of that. I was 24 and he was 23. Yeah. Same idea. And I don't know how you feel about this, Sarah, but I never thought that I would get married that young. I'm sure we had conversations about it in college. I remember just thinking, there is no way I'm going to get married young. I'm going to wait. I'm going to get married in my late 20s. Yeah, it's just not something that I ever had imagined for myself like you, it sounds like. Yes. But then when we were talking about whether it made sense to just wait and stay engaged or whether it made sense to go ahead and get married, I was like, let's just go ahead and do it because we're going to get married eventually. Like, I'm sure. Right. It felt very clear and Andrew felt that way too. So we just moved forward with it. And there was some, like my mom asked me at one point, are you sure you really want to do this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yep, super sure. It's very clear to me that this is the right thing to do, which is still surprising when I think back on how young I was. I know. I feel the same when I look back on it. I am shocked that I got married so young, Mm -hmm. but not because I think it was a bad choice and not because I regret it. Mm -hmm. I feel like we were really ready to be married. And I really strongly feel that choosing someone, it's just that it's a choice. And I felt like when I decided to stay in Little Rock instead of leaving to go somewhere else after I graduated, Mm -hmm. I was saying I'm making a choice to see where this is going with Neil. Mm -hmm. And it could have gone in a different direction that year. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Neil is the only person I could have ended up with and been happy. And I don't feel that way either. I don't believe in like one soulmate. Right. You know, the, the one for you kind of thing. That's not... A story that I buy into that I feel like is true for my life. I know lots of people believe that really strongly, but that does not ring true for me. And so we just really did make this decision and mm-hmm. we mutually made it that we are committing to this and we've kept making it and it's worked out. So this year we will have been married nine years and it was fun to plan the wedding. It was a really traditional wedding. Mm -hmm. So we had our wedding in the chapel at Vanderbilt, and we had a very traditional reception with a band and drinks and food. 
I wore a very formal dress that had been my mom's that had also been my grandma's. Your wedding dress is one of my favorite wedding dresses. Oh, thanks. It really yeah. was just was so beautiful. I mean, I was so lucky that it was in such good shape, number one. And number two, that my mom is such a talented seamstress that mm-hmm. she essentially remade it for me. She took off the lace and tool that she had had on it. And we got all new lace onto the satin bodice and skirt. And I loved it. It was exactly what I would have chosen, like my exact dream dress. It was perfect. Yeah, it's just so special that it was what you wanted and had such a rich history to it. Yeah. And we ended up having a pretty big wedding. I think we invited something like 150 people, maybe 200 people. And we ended up with over 100. I don't know exactly how many, but it was a big group of people and people came from all over. You know, one thing about getting married so young is that every time someone in our friend group got married, it felt like a college reunion. So we got to see our friends from college really often that year. Yes. There were three weddings right in a row in July, August, and then September mm-hmm. within our And that group. year, I went to eight total weddings, including Whoa. my own. It was a good year to get married, I guess. <laughs> Apparently. But a lot of people came, including friends that live abroad came. A lot of my family and Andrew's family was there. We had bridesmaids and groomsmen and junior bridesmaids and a flower girl. So it was really traditional in that sense. Mm -hmm. And what I remember about it is just feeling so happy and so celebrated that whole day. I had so much fun dancing. Even the ceremony was like really special because a dear family friend was our officiant and my uncle played the piano. And I remember being outside ready to walk in with my dad and feeling like it was all just right. And that was because everyone had worked so hard to make it exactly what I wanted. My mom worked really hard. My mother-in-law worked really hard. All the friends who were there to help and support. And we had a great party. We really danced a lot. Yep. So I have no complaints. I had a great time at your wedding. And so at the time of all those college weddings, I was not yet engaged. I got engaged that December. Mm -hmm. And we got to go home and celebrate with family. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't wait until we got home to tell people. So we called our families when it happened. I sympathize. I'm sure I would have been the same way if all of my family hadn't been there. When I look back, I think maybe it would have been better if I had waited and been able to do that in person. But that was not a happening thing. I think it's equally good. It was fun to celebrate at the time. So we went home for Christmas, but then we were back in grad school and they're on the term system. So there's three terms. So we had finished the fall term and still had the winter and spring. And I had already planned to go on an internship to West Africa in the fall. Right. So I was taking a larger load of classes in the winter and the spring in order to make sure that I would still be able to graduate on time. Mm -hmm. And Neil was taking more than a full load of classes because his undergraduate degree was in physics, not engineering. Mm -hmm. And so he needed to also take some undergraduate courses in addition to his graduate courses so that he could graduate on time. That sounds busy, y'all. So both of us were swamped with school. And I had also torn my ACL playing Ultimate, which was the end of me playing Ultimate. (laughs) I'd forgotten that. So that had happened that fall, but I wasn't having surgery until the end of January. And the recovery from the surgery was six weeks on crutches. So during this really busy academic time, I was also recovering from surgery. Mm. Neil was taking on more 
to help with that because I was not able to do as much during that time. I'm trying to keep up with all my courses and also supposed to be making all these big decisions about our wedding. Like, (laughs) where are we going to have it? And who are we inviting? Is it going to be in Arkansas or is it going to be in Oregon? And I just got to the point very early on where I just said, I don't have time to be stressed about this. And wedding planning is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. So anything that is causing me stress about the wedding, I'm not going to (laughs) do. And I pretty much stuck to that. We didn't do a lot of things. We didn't send out formal invitations. We sent out an email to our friends. And some of Neil's older relatives, I know he wrote them handwritten letters inviting them. Mm Mm-hmm. But we didn't do flowers. We didn't do decorations. We didn't do a registry. I don't know. What other things do people do for their wedding? We didn't have a bridal party. Mm -hmm. It was just my sister and then his brothers. Some of that is just our personalities. That is what we wanted. And then some of it was wanting to make it simple and easy for myself and for everybody else. Mm -hmm. We considered having it in Oregon because that would have eased some of the planning to have it be where we were going to be. Because we did not have any plans to go back to Arkansas or Missouri. That's why we got married in Nashville Mm -hmm. because I was there and there was some pressure too from my family to be like, why don't you want to get married where you're from? Yeah. It was like, no, it's just too hard to think about that. Um, I want to be able to go look at the venues myself. I don't want my mom to look and then report back. Right. And you can be in your own home as you're leading up to that as opposed to traveling someplace and and having to bring everything with you yes which is what y'all had to do so that's what we did we took the other course (laughs) and largely that was I don't want to say largely Neil's doing because I was happy to have it in Arkansas also but he felt like asking everybody we're inviting to fly out to Oregon Mm -hmm. was going to be such a bigger burden where in Arkansas so many more people would be able to drive Mm -hmm. where we're already there where in Oregon Everybody who came would have had to fly out there except for my brother who was in Portland. Right. And he's right. That made a lot more sense in terms of what was most important to us was having the people we loved there Mm -hmm. and having it in Arkansas made it easier. It did make it easier for us to get there. So I appreciate that. And Arkansas is a really special place to us. That's where we met. That's where our relationship started. So we rented a Methodist retreat center in north central Arkansas. And we rented out the lodge area for where we were having the food and where our families were staying. Mm -hmm. And then they have a campground area where our friends were staying. (laughs) And we're, I mean, we're a hearty bunch of friends. I mean, we all have tents. We camp together for fun. Mm -hmm. So this was not out of the realm of expectation. We were glad to do this. Right. And it made it. Almost everybody was either in grad school or in their first job or in AmeriCorps Right. that our friends did not have a ton of money. So it was free for people to be able to come and camp, which relieved some of the burden on people. Mm -hmm. So we arrived there on Saturday and we had like a rehearsal dinner style Mm -hmm. situation, but everybody was invited Mm -hmm. and we had spaghetti and bread and salad, I think. And then I was exhausted because we had had a bachelorette party, a bachelorette party the night before that. So on Friday night, we had done that in Little Rock, which was really fun. But I was so tired on Saturday. We stayed up all night talking. Yes, which was great. But I was not prepared to be up late again the next night. Uh So I was really tired. And I just thought I'm getting married in the morning tomorrow. I'm going to sleep. Mm -hmm. So I slept in the lodge that night. 
So I wasn't camping. Neil was camping with everybody else. And that had been my intention, but I just felt like I could not stay up because I knew everybody else was going to be up late hanging out. Oh, we were. And I know myself and that I need sleep. So I went to sleep pretty early. Everybody was playing cards in the main area. Some people were already back at the campsite. Mm -hmm. That night there was cornhole set up. People were hanging out out in the front area. I wake up the next morning and think everything is fine. Mm -hmm. Turns out there was a horrible storm. Massive thunderstorm. Maybe you can describe that more. (laughs) So we were definitely hanging out into the night. And then I think we didn't stay up too, too late. And everybody else was tired, too. Yeah. So we headed off to our tents, everybody. And then I don't know when, sometime, you know, 1 or 2 a.m., huge thunderclap woke everybody up. Huge lightning flash. And then water started to pour from the sky. And everyone was mostly fine. We we were within yelling distance of some other friends. And so we were, like, checking in on each other to make sure we were okay and they were okay. And the rain, I mean, it was really loud. And so we just stayed. And we were maybe a little damp, but it was not a big deal. I got up early the next morning to help with the like wedding brunch to help cut fruit and stuff. And so I was back at the lodge and it turns out that your high school friends mm-hmm. had had a tent disaster where their rain fly was not on their tent properly. That is not what happened. What happened is Maya had three good friends from high school that were there sharing a tent. One of them was an experienced camper. Two of them were not. The experienced camper said, I'll put the rain fly on if it starts to rain. But it was in the summertime, so it was really hot. So if it's not going to rain, it's nice to sleep without your rain fly on because you get the air movement through. Mm -hmm. Well, that friend stayed up late with some of my college friends and she ended up sleeping on the screen porch at the lodge and never went back because she was just (laughs) hanging out and ended up sleeping there. So the two friends that are inexperienced campers and don't know how to put the rain fly on were in the tent (laughs) with no rain fly when the storm came in. So they're soaking wet Neil somehow helps them. Neil is the one who... Well, they apparently were screaming, won't somebody help us? Can anyone (laughs) hear us? Won't somebody help us? But we really couldn't. I mean, the rain was too loud. So it wasn't like we were just like pleasantly holed up in our tent ignoring them. Like we really just couldn't hear them. Well, Neil helped them and he got them into a car that went to the lodge and they ended up sleeping the rest of the night there. But I think... At least one of those friends is still somewhat traumatized from that experience. Not sure she will ever go camping again. So I feel terribly that that happened. Other friends either had rainflies that were fine and they were okay. Neil's tent, there was Uh a pool of water pooling in one corner Uh and everybody was scooching towards the other side. But I mean, a little damp, but fine. So mostly it was okay. Yeah. Maybe didn't go as planned. (laughs) So... (laughs) um. So that happened the night before, but in the morning, we had some breakfast, like coffee, cake, and fruit out for people to be able to eat. Mm -hmm. And then the ceremony, I think, was at 10 in the morning. It was pretty early. Mm -hmm. And it was just, there were wooden benches overlooking a cliff, and two people who were mentors and good friends to me in college, and also knew Neil, were the ones who married us. Mm -hmm. Neil and I both walked in with both of our parents at the same time, as opposed to doing the traditional father walking the bride down. Mm -hmm. So we both came down on either side of where everybody was sitting and had a fairly traditional ceremony in terms of the content, I would say. My friend from high school played the violin and that was the wedding. Then afterwards, we had lunch 
for everybody at the lodge. Mm-hmm. And then people departed early afternoon. So as I had said before, we didn't do flowers or decorations. I also didn't have a traditional white wedding dress. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying a blue dress from J. Crew that was on sale. And I remember a friend at grad school asking me if I was going to look back and regret not getting something that would make me look more like a bride. She was really wanting you to really think. And to not do things because it was just the cheapest option, but to really think, am I going to regret it looking back? Mm -hmm. But it made me stop. And I thought, I'm not going to look back and regret it. And I really don't look back and regret any of the choices that we made. There are some things I would change, but it's not those bigger picture decisions. I would still buy the same dress. I've gotten to wear my wedding dress so many times. I've worn it to many weddings, not just my own, because Mm -hmm. it's just a nice formal dress. And I love putting it on and thinking this is the dress I got married in. That's really special to me. I mean, there were aspects of your wedding that were not as traditional, you know, or conventional maybe, but I loved it. It was so you guys, just like when you talked about your proposal. I mean, getting an electrical wire ring is so you guys. And your wedding really was too. And it was really both fun and an honor to be there and celebrate you guys, especially because it was a smaller wedding. Mm -hmm. The people that were there were people that you were really close to. Yeah, I think total we had about 60 people, including all our family. Nice. Which was great. Even with that number, I found it hard to talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. And one thing we really wanted with our wedding was having it where everybody was staying the night together, Mm -hmm. hoping to facilitate where we're getting to spend a lot more time with the people who have made this huge effort to come and celebrate us to really have a chance to celebrate with them. The other thing I remember about the wedding planning was talking to my mom and she was asking me about the decorations. And I said, oh, we're just not going to have them because she was asking about decorating the tables. And she said, "Okay, just so you know, it's probably going to look like a high school gym. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember saying, yep, sounds about right. But it didn't really look like that, did it? No, I mean, it was just it looked like a lodge, but it wasn't a fancy lodge. It was those tables that you know, fold up and that you would see in a cafeteria. And she didn't mean that in a negative way. My mom is not somebody who wanted to plan a big fancy wedding. I think she was thankful that I was not going in that direction. Mm -hmm. She was also just checking in to make sure that this is really what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was what we wanted. Would you choose the same thing again? I think on the biggest things, yes. What I did not realize when we had first booked the lodge is that there was another lodge that was also available that we could have rented for our friends. Mm. And looking back, especially on how things happened with the rain that night, I would have done that. And the other thing I look back on is we had considered getting a caterer and had contacted a few places in Little Rock, but the communication wasn't great. It wasn't working out. And it was another thing that I was just having trouble dealing with from far away. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to do the food ourselves, which meant that our friends and family were helping us with that. And in retrospect, I don't think anyone minded. I definitely didn't. I think in some ways having a caterer just would have made it easier for everybody to just not have that extra thing that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Even though everybody seemed happy to pitch in. We were all still interacting with each other while all that was happening. It wasn't as though one person was doing everything by themselves. Right. It was all of our friends and family hanging out, working together to put together a meal. Mm -hmm. But if there were anything I would change, it would be those two things. What would you change about your wedding? 
I might choose a completely different sort of wedding because Hmm. the things that you're saying that you loved about having everyone in the same place, Mm -hmm. I think that I would have really liked that. And I think it was true to who we are as people to get married in a city, Mm -hmm. to get married in Nashville, which is a city that, you know, holds a lot of history for us and that we both love. You know, it's where Andrew grew up. And was practical because you were there. Mm -hmm. Having it in Nashville made a lot of sense for where people were coming from. Yeah. Nashville's really central to the Southeast, which is where most of our friends were. And most people from college knew somebody in Nashville that they could stay with, that they weren't That's necessarily true. having to get a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Lots of Andrew's families there. All your grad school friends were there. Mm-hmm. So it really was the easiest place to have it for a, a large proportion of your guests. No, I don't regret it. But if I were planning it now, I think it would look a little bit different. The weddings that we've been to, like yours, where everyone stays on the same property mm-hmm. and can just walk to wedding events, it stretches the party out. Yeah. One thing I remember about our wedding weekend is we went back to our house after our wedding and I was like, quick, I want to change my clothes and I want to go hang out at the hotel because mm-hmm. I don't want to miss anything. I remember. I would definitely wear my same dress. Mm-hmm. And I loved the band that we had, and I loved the energy of the dancing. Mm -hmm. So what I really want is to have another wedding where we have it in like a big, beautiful lodge with a beautiful natural area and renew our vows and go hiking. It can happen. (laughs) Maybe next year, year 10. I think that about sums it up for weddings. Let's move on to what we've been eating lately. I was racking my brain for what I could talk about in terms of what we've been eating because we are such creatures of habit and I really haven't tried anything new recently. So I am sharing with you an old standby that I made for dinner tonight, which is lentil soup with homemade yogurt. Yum. I have tried many lentil soup recipes and the one that our family uses now is from Kelsey's blog, Rising Shining. I think she calls it Sunday lentil soup, Hmm. but the secret to her soup is adding mustard at the end Mm. and red wine vinegar, which just gives it an extra kick and flavor that is so good. That sounds delicious. I like to put sriracha on mine also and then topped with the yogurt. It's just a really great combination. And it's one of those dishes that we always have the ingredients on hand. So I probably end up making it at least once a week because it's really fast to put together and we really love lentils at our house. Yeah, I love the mustard and vinegar addition to lentils. We make a lentil dish with French lentils in the Instant Pot that I call bacon lentils. Mm. And I just cook French lentils with water and a little salt. And then I add Dijon mustard, balsamic vinegar, bacon grease, and chopped up bacon Mm. and shallots. So do you add the bacon before you cook it in the Instant Pot or after? No, I cook the bacon in the oven. Okay. And then I add everything after the fact, really. I don't cook the shallots either because I don't want them to fall apart. Right. I fry them in a pan Mm -hmm. and then add them. Sounds delicious. What have you been eating? I've been eating lasagna, homemade lasagna, and I'm actually really proud of this because right after I had plum, my mom came and made what I considered to be a really amazing lasagna. And it's not that fancy. You know, she uses sauce in a jar from the grocery store and it's pretty typical ricotta eggs, Parmesan, 
mozzarella cheese, maybe some other cheeses. But something she does that's awesome is rather than ground beef, she uses Italian sausage. Mm -hmm. So I have been setting out to recreate this lasagna since my mom made it probably a year ago. And I feel like I finally achieved it. So we have been having that not a lot, but pretty often. And it's delicious. And Plum likes it too. But the secret is to use one jar of garlic sauce and one jar of arabiata, which is the kind of spicy one, Mm -hmm. so that it's especially tasty. So this isn't a childhood recipe that you're recreating. It's a new addition to your family's repertoire. I think that my mom did make it a bit when we were younger. But when she and I have talked about it, she was like, you know, it felt like a lot of work Mm -hmm. when you were young. Because lasagna, you know, like enchiladas, Mm -hmm. you can't just like think of it and then cook it up in 30 minutes you really have to kind of plan ahead. I also don't usually have the ingredients on hand. Oh, yeah. My big beef with lasagna is it feels like an expensive meal once you get the ricotta and all the cheeses. Yeah. It's worth it. It's really delicious. It is. It's definitely expensive. I think that it balances out because it lasts so long. Mm, So if we make a huge 13 by 9 of it, and you know the 13 by 9 is like almost overflowing, you don't have to eat that big of a piece to feel really satisfied. And so a lasagna that I made a week ago just got finished today with us eating it just about every day in between. Wow. And the other thing about this lasagna is that it's something that I just really love to take to people Mm. who have just had Mm -hmm. a baby or somebody sick and they need a meal or something like that. Um, And now I feel really proud when I bring it. Yes. You know you are offering something amazing. Mm -hmm. I think that's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. We'd like to say a special thank you to all of the listeners who have left a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show and it warms our hearts to read them. We'd also love to hear from you if you have any book or recipe recommendations to share with us. I especially apparently need some recipe recommendations, (laughs) so send them our way. You can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Should I go to the next morning or should I talk about the rain now? We should talk about the rain. (laughs) Okay. Why would you flush? The water's just running. I'm going to have to let the toilet stop running before I talk about how much. Okay, do you want me to talk some more? Well, I want to talk about how much I loved your wedding. All right. Do you have anything else to say about weddings? I don't think I do. Perfect, because we need to move it along here.